Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be A Boss Coaching Podcast Season 2. We are back and better than ever, if I say so myself. But I am so excited to return to Season 2 of the Be A Boss Coaching Podcast. We are going to do things a little different this season. We're going to be releasing two episodes a week. So we'll drop an episode on Monday with an entrepreneur story for you to learn from, be inspired by, and best of all, create a connection with. And on Fridays, we'll release either a solo episode or an episode with a guest co-host who will happen to be a close friend of mine. And during that episode, we'll discuss a topic that relates to business that I've learned about or my friend has extensive experience with. Friday episodes will be more chill, maybe a little unstructured, maybe a little unprofessional, but still expect to have fun while you're learning something new. For this season to premiere, I have a very special guest. I'm honored to have the pleasure of sitting with not only the founder of Clean Beauty Brand for tomorrow, but a dear friend of mine, Maya Alejandro. Maya is the CEO and founder of For Tomorrow, a nail polish beauty brand that contributes to the celebration of ancestral beauty rituals, elevating Caribbean roots in the beauty space, and bringing safe, accessible beauty tools catered to women of color. For Tomorrow is an award-winning nail care brand by Allure Best of Beauty and has been featured in W Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, L in Style, Refinery29, Covator, The Zoe Report, Birdie, and BuzzFeed. My conversation with Maya illuminated for me how possibility can be a domino effect. When I see someone who I relate to doing something that they love to do, it reminds me that everyone, including myself, can do that as well. This episode was recorded in December 2023. Enjoy. Yeah, it feels like forever, especially because I just had, I, you know, with Sean, we just had our anniversary, like our eighth year anniversary. So it's been definitely like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, but I'm so excited. This is season two, y'all. So we're having, we have new people, we have new brands, new businesses, new stories. And I'm excited to introduce to you all today, Maya Alejandro. And Maya, I'll kick it over to you. And I'll talk a little bit about how we know each other, but I, I'm going to give you the mic. Sure. So I'm Maya. I'm the founder of For Tomorrow. Um, and we offer really beautiful nail care rooted in color psychology to uplift your mood. Yes. And I want to say I'm wearing one of my favorite colors right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if you're watching this on YouTube, yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, I will say, Maya, you're the only nail polish I wear, like for real. I hear that. Yeah. yeah, it's the only nail polish I wear because mm-hmm. I love the colors. I love how unique they are. And I don't go out and do my nails. I like to do them myself. Now, and honestly, I wish I could buy all of them. I like 
have to stop myself to, from buying like <laughs> I have like 10 colors Dang, you know yes. but like I'm like oh but I gotta like finish this one I gotta use this one so yeah I know I know and then it, it takes a while to get through them too so I know you get a, lot, a lot of use out of them yeah I've had I mean even the first one that I ever bought from you when I was still in Brooklyn I still have it I think halfway um so yeah I'm okay. always like and I love and you know I love doing my nails I will do it maybe every two weeks I will take off the nail polish and do another one and combine it or do something else but anyway saying that it lasts two weeks yeah it lasts like I mean this (laughs) I know and even when it does like even like when it starts to chip like I actually bought you know the primer the the coat and stuff and like and it lasted even longer and then I was like okay I love it when they start to chip because I can like do it all over again. (laughs) (laughs) There's something so nice about just like painting. Yeah. And then doing different designs or whatever. Yeah, that's so fun. It's Mm -hmm. so fun. But I I do want to just give a little bit of context for everybody because so Maya and I met, like I said, maybe almost 10 years ago. Eight, I want to say maybe eight, nine years ago, was we had some mutual friends. So like your husband was friends with my husband's friends. And so like all of them became friends. And then all of like us, the partners, like the wives, and we became this like big group in New York. And I remember being so excited to learn that you were a social worker. <laughs> oh my God, likewise. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean you're a social worker? Yeah. I know. And so I want to get a little bit into that. Can you talk a little bit about your background prior to embarking on this brand that you've started and like how you came to be an entrepreneur prior to starting this brand? <laughs> Yeah, so it was kind of a a journey. Like sometimes people, I'm, you know, in my head, I, I'm so visual. I have to like see it mapped out. It's like people think like your journey is like one straight line. And my journey was like all these swirls, all these squiggles, right? So I was a social worker. I went to social work school right out of college and got a job right away. And I was clinical social worker in New York um, for about eight years, eight, nine years. Yeah. Um, and I was really burnt out. I was really um, not good at taking care of myself, right? And now looking back, I realized, like, I was like, wait, I was so young, mm-hmm. so young. I was 24 years old when mm-hmm. I started, right? I had just turned 24, um, so barely 24. Um, and now, you know, they say, like, your brain's not even fully developed till you're 24. So I'm, like, full, like, brand new brain, practically, you know, like, just a baby. Yeah. And dealing with some really, really deep, heavy things. Um, and I love the work that I did. Like, I created, I mean, it was, like, such a beautiful community of of social workers and doctors. And I worked at Mount Sinai and... um you know, a community of, of just um, incredible uh, patients that like wanted to do the work and like mental health work and 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 um, do the work to maintain their health, right? Which was, was the main point of the work that I did. Um, but I, 
no, no, no. This is going to get really deep. But like, I, I lost a lot of patients. A lot of my patients died. Yeah. I, as a 24 year old, 25 for the next eight years, was not a person who knew how to deal with something so intense, so deep and, and that affected me so personally. Right. And like, and when you're a social worker, like you're supposed to have, um, supervision and just like someone guiding you. And there were people that were there, but they were kind of like in and out in my career. So I didn't have Mm -hmm. like a steady mentor or anything like that. That was, that would call out like, Hey, you got to do things for you. Like this was an extra tough week, Mm -hmm. right? Was, you know, and, and I worked with, with teenagers, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's a different, every, every death is difficult, but like, there's something really like gut wrenching about losing someone who's 18 years old. Yeah. Like really 15 years old. Like it's, it takes a different toll. So anyway, it took a really deep, deep toll on my soul. Yeah. I didn't know that it was even doing that. Right. So it, it would show up for me in health, in my health, mm-hmm. my health deeply affected um, quite a few times uh, during my time there. And then I realized, you know, I still want to do this work promoting health and mental wellness and stuff, but I want to do it kind of uh, in a more fun way and in a, in a, in a almost more detached way, to be mm-hmm. honest, that I needed to take a step back and just say, I need to take care of myself, my own mental health. Um, so I transitioned to this job. So for context, I work in HIV uh, treatment. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the patients that died was from HIV and AIDS um, that I had. And it was a beautiful experience, but I needed to kind of take that step away. And so I started working in HIV prevention. Wow. And I worked like super cool nonprofit and I started doing like their social media and events and just doing like really grassroots HIV prevention and I feel Mm -hmm. like we we really don't talk about this kind of stuff anymore so I was like really excited to to get in there and do this kind of work and then they lost all their funding oh no (laughs) what was that job and I was like oh my goodness um so again this is like my little like swirls of a journey And so during that time that I worked at that nonprofit, I had started a blog because I'm like very creative. And I, and I, one of the things I loved about my time um, when I worked at Sinai was this uh, kind of art therapy program that Mm -hmm. we did. So I was exploring my own like creativity and my own art. Right. Mm -hmm. I started this blog and I was like talking about like design, interior design and things like that. When the other nonprofit closed, I was like, well, maybe now's a good time for me to pursue. Let me see if I can actually like pursue this career, you know, because I was just really trying to find myself. I'm Mm -hmm. kind of my purpose in life. What am I supposed to be doing on this earth? Mm-hmm. Uh, give back to people, but also like feed my soul, you know? And I had this moment of just realizing how important beauty is in our life and how much that affects our mental health. Mm-hmm. Having worked in a hospital for so long, hospitals are very, very depressing spaces for the staff and the people 
so it just really, I, I was just, really, I think that's where my love of like interior design came out where I was just like, you can create these gorgeous spaces. It's important to create these gorgeous spaces. It's important for, for our well-being. So anyway, started this blog talking about design and art and things like that. This is like back in the day when it's like Twitter and here's yeah. my blog, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I used my blog to get my next job. I mm-hmm. used it my portfolio and it wasn't I had even created anything it was just look I created what I created was like a really nice social media presence Mm -hmm. and um a curation of my like design aesthetic Mm -hmm. and I that to get a job at a like a retail design store and I and then I used that to get the next job which was like my next step up which was a kind of like a b2b for interior designers, a B2B mm-hmm. show for interior designers. So I did sales and eventually I did marketing there because again, like I used my blog to grow this social media presence. So I was really able to use that to leverage that to get the next job. Yeah. But of course, as I'm switching from job to job. Every time you switch a job like that, you're starting from the ground up. Yeah. So you're starting from zero and you're starting as, you know, the most entry level person yeah which is not easy to do over and over again and it's not easy for a person who you know dedicated a lot of my time growing up to my education right like yeah to have a master's degree to be a social worker and like so I'm like here I am with a master's degree and I'm starting at an entry-level job here again and then I'm starting at another entry-level job and then I'm starting at another you know mm-hmm. so, yeah so I end up at this showroom mm-hmm. it was fine I mean, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how yeah. to run a business, right? So this mm-hmm. woman, the owner the, of this showroom, she was very open about how she started her business and how to run the business, like the back end, how to work with vendors internationally, how to make sure that things arrive on time, how to ship. I mean, people don't even know like the the detail that goes into receiving a product in the United States is like a thing. Like people, this is some people's full-time job. Oh, I learned all of that. All of this information that I thought was like, eh, I don't need it. You know, yeah. all of that informed my business now, right? Yeah. Like my business, how to work with vendors, how to find vendors, all of that. Um, how to create something that's just aesthetically beautiful and that people want, you know? Yeah. How to continue to grow and sell on social media. Like that's where I was really able to do that. So I, at some point, <laughs> I was kind of like, I want to do social media full time. Mm. I want to work um, in marketing. I loved it. And I felt like I, there was a time even before that, let's say a year before that, I was like, okay, maybe I'll go back to school and I'll go to interior design school. Mm-hmm. And I did. I took a couple classes and I was just kind of like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to be. Um, an interior designer, I think I actually do better as a person that works in marketing for these really beautiful, like, design companies. Mm-hmm. So I quit my job. Yeah. And again, <laughs> and um, I pitched my my boss mm-hmm. to hire me as a consultant. And oh. she did. She oh. did. Wow. So she was my first um, freelance client. And okay. from there, I built a a business. I mean, it was my first business before for tomorrow. Yeah. I don't even know if I 
don't even talk about this, but like I had a business. I have it. So like, yeah, I still do this. Oh regularly. my gosh, Maya, like I did not know this. <laughs> he was my first client um, and I got so many clients through her because she's very high end. Yeah. Very well. That she recommended me to everyone. Mm-hmm. They all hired me to manage their social media. So I was like the social media marketing person for all these high-end interior designers, showrooms, um, anywhere, like textile designers, like any person that kind of fit in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just grown from there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me creative. I mean, I really love it. That's incredible. That's just incredible. I I can't believe I didn't know that. I mean, I knew that you did interior design and you did a lot of creative work around interior design. I knew that, you know, you freelanced and uh, received a lot of clients. Um, But that is incredible that you were able to build a client base from a blog, like from your own creativity and then mm-hmm. be able to then get uh pitch your boss. I, I'm wondering like, wh- I, where did you get like that idea? Yes. Where did I? Desperation and <laughs> desperation. Uh, no, honestly, it was yeah. really, um, I was at a point where I was like, look, I'm not going to continue to work in, um, I was like a sales assistant and I was doing the social media and I was like, look, I'm going to go, you actually, what really happened is that my grandmother died Mm. and we're very incredibly, incredibly close. And after she died, I was like, wait a second, like life is really short, right? Like it feels like it, you you know, snap your fingers and life is over. But yeah. um, it's also can be really long. Like my grandmother was also like in her late 80s, right? So I'm like, am I going to spend my whole life? Um, it was like an awakening moment for me. Am mm-hmm. I going to spend my whole life at a job where I'm like, eh, but I'd rather be more creative. Eh, but I rather, I think mm-hmm. I'd rather do this other thing, you know? And I And that was almost like the real push that was like, I'm going to go after what I actually want to do. And at the end of the day, I know that I'm going to land on my feet. I know that I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to try this thing. I've done it before. I had already done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I've already done it. I know that I can get a job and I know that I can, I work, re- I work hard. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I'm a good employee, like in my head. So I'm like, I know that I could do these things. I'm just going to try. Yeah. I'm just going to try because the the other side of not trying is is almost like wasting your life and i don't want to make it so dramatic right like it's not it doesn't have to be that dramatic but for me in that moment that's what it felt like mm-hmm. because of that experience like this really deep loss yeah again the theme of loss right like it's kind of now as i'm talking to you i'm realizing that that is my driving force <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean it's i don't know there's something about that story that's really touching me I mean you always like I I you're you really are an inspiration to me Maya like I always just love no I you know you know every since you started you know for tomorrow and like just I remember uh 
I remember when I told you like Maya, I think I want to start a coaching business and you're like, oh my gosh, girl, do it. Here's like, it take the, you know, this is what I did and I did it. And I was like, oh man. And so I felt really motivated to do this, to do something different. Right. And I knew you were going through some tough times and loss and I think that those are moments in our lives where we really start to reevaluate everything <laughs> that is like Absolutely. happening. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, I always wonder to myself kind of like, why does it have to take that level of kind of like transformation in your daily life to cause this other, it's like a ripple effect. Right. And And it makes sense, right? Like you have one major change and that causes another major change. But sometimes I wish that it didn't have to be so dramatic every time or like it didn't have to be so almost painful. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. No, I do. Well, that's another thing that I love because it's like, it's it's not that it was this new concept, yeah. right? It wasn't, it was just kind of like that push that was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this thing now. now yeah. I'm really- no, for real. And wh- why do we need to get to that place of like pain to to start thinking about that, right? And start thinking about, uh, well, what do I want? And I think that's why I really just enjoy watching you and watching your growth and your journey because it, it almost gives me permission, you know, to be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I, I can pursue things that I want to pursue. I love know? to hear that. Thank you for, for telling me that because I really... That is what I want from sharing my story with people, even before, like for tomorrow, like, because I had pivoted so many times. I have had this conversation with my best friend, actually, where I told her, I'm like, look, you don't have to do this if you don't want to for -hmm. something very serious in her life. I'm like, you don't, you don't have to continue. You can do whatever you want. And I think that that's the part that we don't realize. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, we we almost like create these boxes for ourselves. And it's like, oh, we have to do this thing because I went to school for this and I said I was going to do this 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's growing. We're always changing. Like you have to allow yourself to, not to be super corny, but like you have to allow yourself to blossom yeah. <laughs> and grow, you know, like, and be who you are and like really like transform like that butterfly, right? Like mm-hmm. transform into who you are meant to be because- I look back at myself and I'm like, there's so many different versions of me. You know what I mean? Like even mm-hmm. the version of me that's a mother now, like that has completely transformed every everything in my life, every relationship that I have, you know, yeah. um, the way that I work, the way that I think everything has trans- has changed since that. So like we have to allow ourselves permission, like what you said, to just explore. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. totally okay explore and to be honest you know I've, I've thought about this too like as a, a child of an immigrant mother like I was not allowed to explore mm. right I was not allowed to explore my creativity because what kind of job are you going to get with that mm. uh, I was not ex- allowed to explore just myself or anything that sounded frivolous or mm. um, like any kind of career that wasn't like a serious career yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've also had to come to terms with that where it's like, yo, I wanna I I went to school for this thing, I did all the right things, quote unquote, first generation kid. I'm the oldest. There's a lot of pressure 
to do everything right and to make those sacrifices worth it for our family. But I've had to do things for me too, right? Like I got to a point where I was like, I need to explore for me. Yeah. I need to um, really lean into who I am in my core, right? Like my like inner child, like mm-hmm. however well, um, for me, for my survival, for my soul, for my happiness, right? And then also for like my the happiness of my kids. Yeah. Right? yeah. That actually depends on them having a happy parent. Mm-hmm. Happy parent. That. Yeah. No, I love that so much because like you said, growing up, there is that that urge to explore, to figure out like what do we want, what do we love, what what feels good to us. And like I I totally resonate with this idea that, oh, but I don't have time for that. You know, I have to get a good job. I have to get a good career. I have to go to a good school. I have to make my parents proud. And that trumps all the exploration and all of the the creativity and curiosity that I feel like we don't get to, like, swim in, <laughs> you know? The joy. The joy. The joy. Oh, yeah. It's the joy. Yeah, yeah, it's joy. Yeah. And I feel like you don't, you almost don't think about it until you see like you like, for me, like, you were an example for me where it's like, oh, man. So we can explore completely vastly different things that have nothing to do with like the career that we chose. And it's okay, and we're gonna be okay, and we're gonna like if as long as there's like support around us, that we're gonna figure it out. Even if, even if we end up figuring out that that's not what we want, but we we had the opportunity to explore yeah. that. Exactly. You know, I remember you sending surveys out like, "What colors feel good to you? What mm-hmm. colors feel joyous?" I was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And it like planted a seed in me, oh, like it's possible, you know, like it's possible. I think as when people see that and know your background, right, know how you grew up and and what happened and sort of what brought you to this place of like, life is short, let's explore, you know. I hope that nobody goes through loss and pain to, to, to get to that point, well, right? Right, right, of course. That was my journey, right? And I always also tell people like, this is my journey. And I, all I can do is just tell you like the things that I experienced and how that informed the decisions that I had to make. And it didn't make it easy either, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. I was still terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I wasn't like, whoa, this is so much fun. Like it's still terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's still tons of imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Every time you have to, I'm, and, it, and it happened a couple of times because it's like every new job that I had, especially when I was younger, like was in a completely different field. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now I'm doing, even, you know, now I'm doing HIV prevention. I have not worked on this side before. So I really have to learn how it's done and how to speak to a completely different population. Yeah. Right? Like, Because every audience requires different work. Yeah. Um, or then, you know, working at the showroom, that's completely, I remember my first day at the showroom, mm-hmm. my boss gave me a calculator and I was like, what? I was like, 
like a physical calculator. I was yeah. like, first of all, I haven't seen these since like physics in high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was, and I was like, can I just use the calculator oh. on my phone? Like, why are you yeah. giving? What year is it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, oh my god! Like, I have to do hardcore equations. Oh. Like, hardcore. I mean, because because design is is also requires a lot of math. Oh, so, um, which is also why I was like, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> Girl, I would have been out of there so fast. It'd be like, uh, I, don't like I, I, I don't hate math actually, but like, I was like, mm, I don't want to use a calculator every day, you know, like just like yeah. those little things that just, you're just like, whoa, it's like a, um, a shock. Like, okay, you actually don't know this and you, you really do have to learn a new skill set. Mm-hmm. You know? it's not easy so I definitely like props to whoever really takes that leap because it's it's tough and and you don't always have support from your community and your family and you know things like that that those kinds of things can really eat away at you I mean luckily my partner is super supportive yeah and and I've been with him he's seen I I was a social worker when I'm yeah yeah um, so he has been super supportive and now I encourage him. I'm like, you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> you, know, you can do it. I love um, it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, just in general, I know you have so many roles, so many different hats that you wear became a mom. You're a mom of twins. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy here. <laughs> Which is wild. It's so wild. Now that you're a mom, you're a mom of twins, you're a wife, yeah. as you continue to grow your business and as you continue to also do the freelance work that you do, mm-hmm. balance that yeah. and yeah. everything else that you have going on. Um, It's not easy. And I'm not going to say that I'm balanced, to be honest. I don't think that. I think I strive for balance, but I don't necessarily feel like I find it. My kids always come first. Yeah. Does not matter what is due, what is going like if they come first. So their schedule comes first. I literally my work schedule revolves around their schedule. Mm-hmm. That's how it's been since they were babies. Yeah. If they're awake, then I'm with them and and that's what it is. And especially in the early days of for tomorrow, I would work at night. You mm-hmm. know, like I work on my website at night after they were sleeping. Um, or if I had to take some kind of webinar, I would do it at night when they were sleeping um, or during nap time. They used to nap at that time. So during nap time or something like that, you know, now they're a little older so they can kind of understand if I say something like I have to, I need 30 minutes mm-hmm. to answer emails, right? Like they get it. So those kind of things, I luckily, like I think that we're blessed that I'm able to work from home and be with them, which is really important to me. And create my own work schedule, mm-hmm. right? Like, like those are those kind of privileges that people don't talk about. Like that's definitely a privilege that I have that I'm able to to do that and create my work schedule in a way that works for me. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise with For Tomorrow and, and anything else that I do freelance wise, I, I have, I know what my capacity is. So mm-hmm. I won't take on too many freelance clients at the same time. So if I have to tell someone no, then I have to tell. I I got really comfortable with telling people no, which is hard for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But telling people no, 
it became a necessity because there's only one of me, mm-hmm. right? Me and my family, I have to be well enough to yeah. take care of my family. Yeah. So I'm like hyper aware, like all my workaholic stuff before when I was younger, that would literally make me physically ill. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I am hyper aware that I, of, that that works against me, right? And that that then works against the well-being of my family. Um, so that's always first. So yeah, I, I tell, you know, if I have to tell someone no, then I tell someone no. I have very set hours for meetings, set hours and set days for yeah. meetings. And, you know, if I have to do a little work on the weekends, I do it. Sometimes a lot of work on the weekends and I do yeah. it. Yeah. The girls come with me to pack orders and ship them. And I've been dragging them to the post office since they were babies. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is what it is. We make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Not easy. It's not easy. And there's no, like, to be honest, there's no set schedule aside from the fact that the girls have a set schedule. Yeah. Now they're in school is a little bit easier because I can work the hours that they're in school and, and whatever after school programs they go to, I have those hours to, to kind of get some work done. But yeah. when they're, I want to focus on them. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I really love to see just like how there's no rush. Like I, I'm getting this feeling of this is what's happening. Like this is the work and this is the business. But there's no rush to to that. Like what comes first is is the, my family, right? And so I love that because I feel like you can really apply that to just in general. I think even people that don't have children can build a business around their biggest priorities, right? And not be so rushed. I feel like when you think about business, it's like, okay, how do we grow? How do we get like our first like, 100 clients how do we you know and there's there's all this rush energy and I'm hearing that that's not like the case for me like that's right and now that you put it into words like that I guess I hadn't really thought of it like that but yeah that is what it is and I think that I've also had to come to terms with that because that's not the norm Mm -hmm. when you're building a business it is to grow and scale as fast as possible however you know, a friend said to me once, you can't do everything at the same time, mm-hmm. right? So for me, in the last couple of years, it's been like, look, my kids are really little. They're only little ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm growing my family. And yeah. that's what I'm doing now. And in two, three years, they might be able to sit here and do homework on their own or whatever. And I'll be able to get a little more work done. And then that's the reality of my life at that time. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe it's almost like I've, I don't know what the word is, but just given in to the process. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay I've made peace with that. But that is by no means normal in this right. world. <laughs> like, and it's not to, yeah. And it's not to say that you're not like growing your business. Like you are. It's just taking its space and you're growing your own entrepreneurship like skills and everything that you're learning. It just comes with the pace that you are currently like that's okay. Like you're just simply okay with it. You're not trying to rush the process, like you said. I'm not trying to rush the process. I mean, it it, it also the work is what the work is. I know what it. You know what I mean? It's it's like I hire um, contractors as needed for the things that I need to hire mm. contractors for. I do have a schedule, like an email schedule, social media schedule, things like that. But I also know that I am one person 
wearing so many hats. And there's times where one hat takes precedence over the other hat, right? Mm -hmm. And I've just had to really come to terms with, you know what? Everyone else is going to have to wait a Mm -hmm. day. What I mean, like, yeah. um, there's so much pressure to end, like, 8 a.m. Wake up, answer emails, and I'm like, that doesn't feel good in my body. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't want to do anything that doesn't feel good in my body. Yeah, yeah. Period. I work for myself. Like, why would I do that? Yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, I love it. And I and I take on the projects that excite me. Mm-hmm. I have the ability to do that. That is a privilege that I have that I worked for. Yeah. Right. Able to take on the clients that fit my my schedule and that I'm excited to work with um, to help grow and and as I'm working on for tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I also have like these these bouts of like a lot of energy and yeah. a lot of like, creativity, and then I yeah. have times that are more like slower in terms of creativity. So like yeah. right now, like, I've actually learned like for whatever reason, like end of the year, so so much creativity so much like so many ideas like things are just moving like just moving 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 yeah the summer and maybe it's because it's the summer right like it's it's just relaxed yeah so I plan for that yeah so I plan now for months in advance and and because I feel so creative because I have just all this energy going 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 and I can do that Mm -hmm. because I know that there's going to be times where I'm just kind of like um need a little more help, need Mm -hmm. some ideas. And I'll have all the work that I did months ago when I really was just, it was just like oozing out of me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. No, I feel totally like I, I, for some reason, this end of the year period, this this last quarter, there's just been so much. I think it's because there's this, uh, you know, where the end of the year is coming, we're preparing for next year. So we're like thinking about, okay, what, what it's a new year. And, and I think everyone gets really energized around the idea of having a new year, starting new ideas, creating new ideas. And so I, I totally relate to that. Yeah. Um, um, also for like a CPG brand, like a product based business um it's the super bowl right like (laughs) it is the super bowl like you better be on it you know what i mean like it's just you it's so busy even if you weren't feeling super up to it like you kind of don't have a choice like Mm -hmm. this is like i said it's the super bowl black friday cyber monday holiday season like it is busy 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 time and i mean some brands even launched holiday campaigns in october right october Mm -hmm. 15th i noticed so many brands launched holidays it's just across the board everyone i think is kind of like just really like on it extra um yeah because it's exciting fun time q4 is a deal for 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 businesses yeah yeah so let's go back to a little bit about your trajectory because you had talked about transitioning from interior design role to a different role to then now freelance. So when did For Tomorrow start to bubble up for you? And when that happened, like what was the first step that you took towards making that a reality so i mean the first time i wanted to to start a nail care brand was years before 
I started for tomorrow. So this was like when I first started social work. I had just graduated social work school and I was reading about this brand called Deborah Lipman, which is like this celebrity nail artist who started her line. And I was like, what? You can start your own nail brand? Regular people can do this? This is awesome. And I remember I even asked around like in my community, like, does anyone know how I can do this thing? I want to start this brand. I have this idea. I want to do it. And everyone was like, no, or you have to find a chemist. And I was like, okay, well then how do I find a chemist? And this is like days pre-Google, right? So like, I was like, okay, never mind. This like, is pre-Google days? This is like a beginning of Google. Like Google, oh. I got my first Google email. Oh you know God, what I mean? Bro, this yeah. is like going long, back. Yeah, 1995 type stuff. <laughs> Oh, no, I didn't get Google. So like after college, maybe I was late to the Google game. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, wait, like Google started in 1995. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What was Google called first? It had another name, didn't it? Yeah, it did. But for maybe a year until it launched as Google. Yeah, that's what I that's what I remember. But it wasn't like the 90s. It was. Um... Oh, anyway. oh, are you talking about Bing? Maybe. Bing. Oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. you know like like early google days like it was like eh, how do i find information like, oh, okay i see uh, the early 2000s uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know i had just graduated i had a new job a new career so i focused on that and then i kind of came back to it when i got pregnant mm-hmm. had a really high risk pregnancy um it was a pretty uh terrifying time in my life at the same time, my cousin was diagnosed with breast cancer. So me and her were kind of going through this um, clean beauty, clean living, I should say, journey, right? Where we were like learning about ingredients, learning about um, our cleaning products, our beauty products, the things, the foods that we eat. And we just kind of like overhauled our life. Um, and I was working in social media at the time. And I was kind of like, well, how do I share this with people? Like going back to like my therapeutic like social work roots right where I'm like I care about the community I want like everyone to be as healthy as possible Mm -hmm. uh, because it deeply affects your well-being right so I'm like thinking of ways to to share that information and this is a this was 2018 and the clean beauty space was super different then you really didn't see people of color in the clean beauty space at all and people really didn't know about it. Like it, it felt like this very elite world for people who are very affluent. Didn't feel like it was for regular people or, or women of color. And one of the most like the scariest stats that I that I learned was that like black and brown women are about nine times more likely to use a, a product with toxic ingredients than white women. Mm. And that blew me away. Like yeah. that, that blew me away. I was like, this is absolutely like unacceptable. This right. is going to be my lane of activism. Like, this is like, just not it. So I kind of used that to fuel my idea. And I played around with a couple of different ideas, like thinking of what the actual like product would be. And I was like, well, I was listening to a podcast with Marie Forleo actually. And she said, you know, start with what you know. I was like, oh, I know nails. I've been doing nails with my family my whole life. I love it. I had, I wanted to do it years ago. Mm-hmm. So I just did like massive amounts of research online. At this point, I had already given birth. I was on maternity leave. I was like sitting on my sofa, breastfeeding all day. Yeah. And I, I just sat there and did all this research, reached out to people, got samples, and it kind of like went from there. 
Yeah. Um, it's not easy because when you are no one and you have no brand and you do not come from the beauty world, like my background is not in beauty, um, they don't necessarily want to take a chance on you. Mm-hmm. They can, um, and when you say they, like who's they? they? The vendors, the, the manufacturers, chemists, vendors of, across the board were like, no. Really? They said, call back when, when you're bigger, you know? Oh. And that, that's, I mean. I mean, that's so wild because I, like, I, I would have never thought about that as a barrier, you know, to, I'm thinking, oh, you find a chemist and then I guess you, you go from creating your first sample, right? But then you need, like you said, you need the the suppliers and vendors and manufacturers. Right. You need all of it. You need all of it. You need someone to supply your boxes. You need someone to sell you the bottle, the brush, the cap, like every piece, right? Yeah. To fill it for you, to decorate your bottle, like how you want it. Like there's a lot of moving pieces. So I understand from from their end in that they work on commission and they don't want to waste their time with someone that they don't think is serious. I get Mm. that because I also worked in that world when I worked in interior design, in that sales world. So I understand the thinking behind it. Just But obviously, just because you're new doesn't mean you're not serious. Yeah. So I, it took some time to find somebody who was open to working with me. This wow. is also, okay, so it's 20, I was pregnant 2018. So let's say this is 2019, right? I'm yeah. like all year spending trying to find someone to work with me. And then I did. And then we had COVID. Oh, right. Yeah. So it was, it was really like the majority of this process that you would usually like go to trade shows and meet people in person. Um, I really couldn't do because I I was breastfeeding and I and I needed to be home. Like it was a little difficult for me to yeah. try. I was also like nervous about traveling without the girls. So like yeah. um I didn't really travel 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. any trade shows. And then 2020, yeah. it was like, can't go nowhere. There's no trade shows, right? <laughs> like yeah. there's no meeting in person. And that's where you would go to. You know, if there's somebody listening that like wants to start a brand, like go to a trade show. Mm. They need to see, need to see that you're professional and they need to see that you're serious, that you're serious about this business, you know, and, um, and that you you know, that you're not wasting their time. Mm. And by the time that you go to a trade show, because I'm I'm just curious about the process of like when you did find someone that was willing to work with you. And was that someone that was willing to do everything from the bottle to the like all the individual pieces yeah some places do so this person was able to connect me with everyone oh okay was really helpful at that time that was you know the best that I can find and the best I could do and I was like we're gonna move forward because this is it is what it is you know it's not like I could have could go to a trade show and compare 10 different vendors, you know, here mm-hmm. on like anything. Like it was kind of, um, if I wanted to start, I needed to start. And that's how I thought about it. I'm like, well, if I'm going to start this, we're going to do a test run. We're going to do, see how this works. We're going to see how this sells and we'll move forward from there. Mm-hmm. And so they, 
they said yes to working with you. You developed your first sample. I'm curious about the trade show. So is that something that comes before or after your first your first sample? It, it depends on what you need. Mm-hmm. So a trade show, um, you can do different things at a trade show. You can go meet packaging people. You can mm-hmm. go meet manufacturers. You can go meet other people in the industry that you might need to help. I mean, there's like these major marketing companies, PR agencies that show at trade shows also. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even you can go to trade shows and buy a specific ingredient, like one little ingredient. You can go to a trade show and buy machinery. <laughs> I oh. mean, yeah. what, whatever you need, whatever process you need. Some people start their own. You know, if you were going to start your own manufacturing facility, you would need to buy specific equipment. So, wow. I, I imagine that's like for like scaling right like you're ready to scale you need a machine to you know to be honest scaling would be not needing a machine like you you don't want to be filling on your own right yeah you want they're called a contract manufacturer you want a manufacturer to do that for you um because at the end of the day it's like the founder especially for these indie brands like people like myself right we take everything on and it's it, it's nice in the beginning. It's exciting in the beginning, but there's so many moving pieces that that's why you move your products to a warehouse. You get a contract manufacturer to fill it for you. You know, it's like your time could be better used with growing your business with any other piece of your business that is not like this physical thing creating the actual product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting because. I think when it comes to product, especially within products that that we use every day, like soaps or like shampoos and things like that, mm-hmm. though, like for the most part, regular consumers have can go to Target and like they don't think about the process, right? Of like how, where did this product come from? Like how did, what's in it? What's right. in it? And what I love about and this is why, because when you told me this statistic about women of color and um, beauty brands having toxic chemicals and mostly being used by women of color, black and brown women, I was like, one, not surprised, but also why, like, I I never went to salons and I don't, I rarely bought any nail polish and I don't like, I like buy the, I try to buy the things that feel good but are not like super like expensive but how how did you think about marketing and messaging and I know you have background in that so like what was sort of like your process for building this out creating it creating the product and then putting in your creativity but then also managing the hat of like marketing and like messaging especially well, since you were a lo- like you were by yourself doing this I feel yeah so I mean luckily my husband also works in branding right so mm-hmm. yeah we, we worked on it together we worked on the brand together and actually he even played a big role in the name mm-hmm. like I, 
the name I had come up with was tomorrow. And he was like, what about for tomorrow? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's for tomorrow. Yeah. As much as we're solo founders, I always like to tell this to people. We don't do anything by ourselves. Yeah. Like we don't do anything. I don't parent by myself. I, as much as we do the day to day, this is our idea and we're going this thing and we're the founder and we're the CEO and all this stuff. Like, I don't really think that anyone can really do anything by themselves because even you need a manufacturer, like you need a, a vendor, you need a designer, you need all these other people and I, and ideas and things like that to, to create the ecosystem of, of your brand and all this kind of stuff. But for, I think, ooh, your question was like, how did I manage the marketing or are you, or were you asking like how I built the initial idea of the brand, like how it looks today? Yeah. Like, I mean, in with, with branding and, and like marketing, because I feel like those are separate from the building out of the product. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And sure. so what was that process like for you? Was it something that was in parallel as you were building out your first product. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely happening at the same time. And I always, and this is even for like my freelance clients, I always start with a competitive analysis. Like I need to see and anyone right building something needs to know what's going on in that world, in that niche. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of, and, and I mean, I love nails. So a lot of it I knew already. Yeah. But I did just a ton of research and I had a competitive analysis that's like with naming, with taglines, their copy, their packaging, right? Like how, because you want to differentiate. So you have to start with a competitive analysis to really know where the space is and how you can be different. Mm -hmm. Um, There's... I mean, the conversation is always that there's so many beauty brands, right? So it's like, how do you stand out in the world? Mm-hmm. How do you stand out on a shelf? Why would anybody buy you over that one? Mm-hmm. And the truth is that marketing plays a big role in that. Like there's some people that care a lot about packaging and, and the beauty and, and feeling like the the words and the copy is like really speaking to them. And that's mm-hmm. something created for them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we, I started like that and I, have an entire kind of like brand strategy that I I put together. Um, A lot of brainstorming sessions on storytelling and on the visuals. And I I love um, design. I love aesthetics. I love art. So I had a lot of mood boards going and inspiration that way. And the thing is, it continues to evolve. Mm. You know, the brand when it started doesn't, the logo is the same, but I wouldn't say that it feels the same as Mm -hmm. when it started. Yeah, uh, things evolve, and I think it's important to always like innovate and be, you know, trying new cool things. Like that's what's exciting about being a, a an indie brand, right? Like you can kind of do what you want. Like you can kind of play around and have fun and explore, right? And if mm-hmm. something doesn't work, it's okay. Like it, just try something else. Well, I think that's the part that I like with brand building, where it's like I can try this style of photography and see if it works. I can try this style of designing my emails and see if that works, what resonates with people, all while maintaining, you know, the core brand. Yeah. Right. Like It's yeah. not like, you know, you just throw something and see what sticks. Like there's a core brand with a core message and that has been the same since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes work. That takes a lot of work. And I think you have to start with the foundation 
mm-hmm. or it's, a, it's like your work can flip-flop. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right way of saying it. Like, it's like almost shaky, right? It's like when you build a house, you need a strong foundation. If you mm-hmm. have a crack in your foundation, you got to tear that house down and start again. Yeah. That's what it is. You have to lay, you have to do that hard work in the beginning to be able to move forward. And you can always tweak and grow and innovate in the future as you go. Mm-hmm. But your North Star is always your North Star. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. My thing is always like, these colors are rooted in your well-being. Like, mm-hmm. that is what it is. Yeah doesn't matter how I say it, right? Like, color your mood is how I say it right now in the last month. But that can change, that I can have, there's tons of different ways of saying that and conveying that information. But the idea is still the same. The the brand at its core Mm -hmm. is still the same. And that's so important. And I had a lot of fun doing that. I love Was that all by yourself? What did support look like for you during that time? Because- that feels like a lot to think about as a oh it took i mean it took uh it took two years yeah it took two years yeah yes. two years like it's not a quick process yeah and i didn't have a set timeline on when i needed to launch right. Right? there's people that have we're launching january 5th of whatever and you have to have it ready. And and yeah. some people hire an agency and I would love in the future to be able to work with an agency and continue to evolve the brand. Yeah. Um, but me and my husband did a lot of the work at home. So like I would work on these mood boards and he'd go in the office and come home and have them printed for me. So we could, we put them on the wall and sit with it. You know, you have to live with it almost like you have to say like, does this feel like the brand does this? Is it authentic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Authentic. Um, does this feel like something, this creation, because you're creating, it's like you're birthing a new baby, right? So it's, does this feel like a creation that you want to live with? Mm. Like you. And at that time, I really wanted to create a brand that felt like me. Mm-hmm. And eventually the brand grows beyond me, right? As I yeah. hire employees, as my team grows, as the business grows, like it becomes way bigger than just me. But when I was building that foundation, it was like something that was really important to me, really, really I wanted it to feel like super authentic because I started the business because of this personal experience that I had. Yeah. So I wanted it to feel really like organic and just clean and beautiful and showcase nails in a way that was elevated. Mm -hmm. At that time, I don't think that there were that many brands that were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I see that in the aesthetics. I was just listening to a podcast on, aesthetic intelligence and it's um i'll definitely send it to you i think you would love it because it's it's a strategy podcast on how to use aesthetic intelligence to build your brand to elevate your brand yeah and and it's truly we see it in in brands like apple right like with steve jobs like there yeah there was there needed to be functionality if in what they were building with the technology that they were building but his aesthetic was very implemented into the brand as well and and it was a really interesting podcast on how to incorporate but I feel like that is not only is it super elevated but it's also actually clean it's also actually non-toxic there's other nail polishes that I used to use like OPI, mm-hmm. but I didn't 
I never felt called to that brand. I don't know. It was just a brand that was available. But I feel with you, like with brand with For Tomorrow, like there's something about the brand itself that calls to you. Like it's very soothing. This is clean. And bonus, it's founded by a woman of color, right? And it's like four women of color. And Mm -hmm. it's because of the story and the statistics that you shared. Um, Yeah. So you've done a really good job at really messaging that and putting that into the brand and putting that out there, which is what makes it stand out and really shine. And I want to pivot a little bit into the mentions that you've had in like really awesome magazines like Allure. I remember the first time you went into Allure. I was like, oh my gosh, Maya, that's amazing. You know, and I obviously not surprised because like the way you built the brand and I'm glad that you said like, even though you and your husband did it together, like you guys really took the time to think through it, right? And to see it, to create like what this, the energy, the mood, like what is it? What would, what do we want to convey? And it's definitely paid off, right? And you were recently in Good Morning America. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was so awesome to see. That was awesome. That was awesome. It was. So what were the things that you felt like brought you to to these types of honorable mentions and like this sort of visibility? And then how has it changed your brand and like your business after afterwards? Um, so it's a couple of different things. Um, you have to do that foundational work, right? You have to have a strong brand. That's called having a strong brand, right? So that when an editor looks at your brand, they're intrigued, they're interested, they take you seriously. I mean, obviously if you're a business owner, you're serious, but I think aesthetics says a lot, right? And, and they want to be associated with you, right? Like they want to, maybe that's not the way, best way of saying it, but they want to be associated with beautiful brands. Magazines Mm -hmm. are about, I mean, these are beauty magazines, right? So they want to showcase the best new brands that are out there. They're, they're really, um, trend forecasting the trendsetters, right? Well, you have to do that work and make them that that's what gets them excited. You know, if you have something beautiful, they're like, Oh, what's that? Let me learn more. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, like my brand foundation might have a strong brand. So Mm -hmm. that absolutely helps that is everything. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't have that. You have number one thing you should work on, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think too um, for beauty brands, right? Like, I it, mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. If you, the point is to be on somebody's shelf, right? Like, mm-hmm. when people want something that looks beautiful and something that's effective. If effectiveness in your formula is num is actually number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but a strong brand will get you far. Okay. Will get you. Will get you far. So, like gorgeous photography, a beautiful website, like all of that, really deeply, truly matters to the growth of your brand. Luckily, I love that, so I had no problems spending a lot of time working on that. Yeah. Uh, so that, but so I was prepping to launch in 2020 when all of the kind of paywalls were down for a lot of these online classes. So I took a ton of, I took every online class that I could possibly take during 2020, during COVID. And 
when I tell you literally every, if I couldn't take it on the day it was live, like I would record it and save it and watch it when I could. Right. Cause mm-hmm. everything, like my kids were little signed up for everything that I could. I learned so much. And a lot of that was PR mm-hmm. how to, to manage your PR. So I learned about like creating your brand deck and how to do that. Um, how to literally cold pitch editors. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I cold pitch. Yeah. That's cool. amazing. I mean, some days you sit down and you send 50 emails a day. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, like I cold pitched and that's how I built relationships. And that's how I um, learned about other opportunities. Um, and that's how it's grown. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I feel like um, business in general, like PR is something we don't talk up a lot about. I think just because there's a lot of other focus on on brand and brand building and like getting the brand strategy right. Um, which in your case, I feel like you had a nat- you have a natural and strong skill already in branding and marketing. Um, and I love that you were self-aware around, okay, that that's a strong skill that I have now, like how can we elevate that further into PR? And so th- that's amazing. Just taking PR classes online, um, were a lot of them for free or was it? Some- they were all free. They were all free. Yeah. Everything was free in 2020. Like even these really expensive, uh, I don't know, like trade shows, but conferences, mm-hmm. these really expensive conferences that I would not have been able to attend in person mm-hmm. anyway. Um were you know they had them virtual so yeah. i would watch the whole thing and learn and and take notes and and then do it you know what i mean it's not like i just watched it and moved on like i watched it i learned i did this and i i did the steps i did it and it worked yeah <laughs> so, that's incredible all those people. <laughs> I, that's so yeah. amazing i feel like you so many people can learn from that, can learn from, especially because you're a product-based business, right? PR, like how can you incorporate PR into your strategy? How much do you need to learn about PR? So I, I'm glad that you mentioned all of that because, um, yeah, it's not something that that I think it's easily accessible to know in terms of how to grow your business and how to get visibility out there for your brand. Right. So this was in 2020. That's what I did then. Um, It changes just like social changes all the time. So now there's a ton of kind of different tactics you can do to get PR, which include like affiliate marketing and things like that, Mm -hmm. that are like super important for product-based businesses to to secure that PR. Um, so it's also important to always stay on top of whatever the trend is, whatever's going on in the industry. So you can also use that to stay top of mind with your contacts. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Maya, for sharing that knowledge. Cause I think it's gold like that. <laughs> I feel a lot of people don't know, like I didn't know that, but that's amazing. And okay. So wrapping up. If you were a mentor for anyone who was pursuing this this career to create a beauty brand, mm-hmm. what would you make sure that they learn and that they understand first? 
That's such a big question. Awesome question. The first thing, there's so many things I was going to say that it's super hard. It's so hard. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that first. <laughs> but it's so hard. I mean, it's so hard. I think that working for yourself in any capacity, mm-hmm. you have to work on yourself as a human, right? So all of your triggers are going to come up when you work for yourself, all of your, everything is relational, right? Like mm-hmm. everything is almost like a mirror of our, of the things we have to work on. And those things really show up, like hyper show up when you're working mm-hmm. um, for yourself. So it's so much more pressure. Yeah. Right. There's so much more pressure. Um, I would say, you know, building a strong brand is incredibly important. And, and, and the truth is that like capital is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to fund this business? Mm-hmm. What question? Like how? What's the plan? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Have have a plan. How are you gonna fund this business now? How are you planning on funding this business in a year, in three years, in five years, in ten years? Mm-hmm. What is the plan? Um, super, super, super important because everything can change. Everything does change, right? You have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Hyper flexible, super flexible, and being okay with it. Yeah. Knowing that. You have to have that faith in yourself that you can make it, mm-hmm. that you'll make the right decisions and that you will survive and be okay if you make the wrong decision mm-hmm. in that moment. Wrong, I say. Mm-hmm. But everything kind of is a journey, right? Leading you to where you have to be. So yeah, feel wrong, but maybe it's not so wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like me in the beginning, I had... Um, I had a, a trademark issue. I had a completely different name for my business and I had to change it. Oh, right. Yeah. Because you had to. And, and, and that didn't feel good, but I love the brand that I have built. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, just an example. Yeah. Um, that could be for everyone. Um, but I think that being okay with things not looking exactly how you want them to look in your mind in the beginning is important, right? Like things evolve and that's okay. I love the overall message of simply taking your time, you know, taking your time and making sure that it feels authentic. Right. Yeah. And it feels like you, and, and, you know, some people work great on deadlines. I am not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, if yeah. something feels right, I'm going to move forward very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I know what works for me. Yeah. Um, some people need those deadlines because they're, for whatever reason, they need the deadlines and makes them feel good. And, you know, maybe they need help making that decision and the deadline helps them with that. Mm-hmm. I, I've met some people that are like that. And that's cool, too. Yeah, uh, I think do what feels good for you. I would say the funding really is incredibly important. Yeah. It's not a super sexy like thing like that brand building and and beauty and, and packaging and things like that. But like that is what funds all the super sexy stuff that mm-hmm. everyone and enjoys, you know, mm-hmm. um, formulation takes an incredibly long time. Mm-hmm. So, so, like skincare brands and things like that. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily rush the process. Do what feels good. Mm-hmm. I think, I, to be honest, you know, if I was somebody's mentor, like I would ask them a lot of questions, mm-hmm. right? Really get a feel for like where they're at, what they're building, why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why is super important like why because when everything gets crazy and like inevitable problems happen like you have to go back to your why why am i doing this Mm -hmm. yeah why am i doing this that's like your grounding force Mm -hmm. yeah 
I love that. Thank you so much, Maya. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. And I learned each time I talk with you, I learn so much more. Hey. If people are curious about you and like to get to know more about For Tomorrow mm-hmm. and you, where can people find you? What is the best way to see what you're up to? Um, so we are fortomorrow.co on all social media. So that's F-O-R-T-M-R-W.co. And our website is the same, fortomorrow.co. Nice. Check it out. Yes. It's super beautiful. And I'm a huge ambassador of it. Like, I love it. I just had it with me. I went to put it back. I have a little, like, box where I have all my little nail polishes. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go bring it. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. (laughs) So here are all of the ones that I have. And so you could, I am a total, like I'm oh telling you, I'm telling you, so pretty. <laughs> I love them. You guys got to get, this is one of my favorite ones. So if you're watching no. this on YouTube, I'm showing the four clouds one. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful brand. And if you are also thinking about starting your own beauty brand, starting your own business, you know, like I hope that this episode was helpful and If you have any questions, come back, let us know. We're here and Maya is a great resource. So please come check her out. Thank you so much, Maya. This was so wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Be A Boss Coaching Podcast. Remember to come on over to thebeabosscoaching.com and book your free discovery call where you can learn more about coaching with me, what it takes to start a business and grow the skills while growing your business at the same time. I'm excited to learn more from you. Remember to sign up to our newsletter and come back every Monday and Friday for new episodes.